Welcome, everybody, to our amphitheater worship. We are grateful that you are here with us, and we are more grateful that our Lord is present with us. He is here wherever we happen to be, wherever you happen to be. This is the place where God is present. You know, we are continuing in our series, Unbreakable, and you know what we're talking about, right? The Unbreakable promises of God. Yeah, the unbreakable promises of God. God's promises to you and to me are unbreakable. That is, we can take them to the bank. We can count on them. We know that they're true. They are the unbreakable promises of God. Well, today, I want us to talk about uh, uh, what God has to say about one of humanity's oldest problems. You know what that is? It's temptation. And so we need to look at what is God's promises to us, to you and me, in temptation, when we are being tempted. You know, temptation goes back all the way to the garden, all the way back to Adam and Eve. Uh, And eventually, every last one of us is going to face it. You know, we're all going to be tempted at one time or another, even when you know the right thing to do. Sometimes it's difficult to say no. You know what Oscar Wilde is quoted as saying? He says, I can withstand anything except temptation. Well, let's find out what God's word has to say about it. Uh, We're going to look in the book of James, chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. And it says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life, that God has promised to those who love him. Now, I want you to take a look at that scripture again. Take a look at that, and you are going to see two rewards there. God is promising you and me two rewards right here in this scripture if we endure temptation. Did you notice it? Let's take a look at the first reward. It says, God blesses those who endure testing and temptation. You know, now, I got to tell you, there are multiple ways that God blesses us, right? I mean, we all know that. But in this case, what, we're, what, we, what God's talking about is that God is blessing us with joy and happiness. Now, you say, okay, pastor, how in the world is that so? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you. You know, here's the question for you. Are you happier when your life is under control or when it's out of control? All right. Pretty easy question, I think. I mean, unless you're a glutton for punishment, you want to be, you're going to be happier when your life is under control. Absolutely. Happiness comes from having our life under control so that there's no bad habit that's uh, devastating us. Uh, you know, uh, when you know how to say no to temptation, it produces happiness in your life. You know, what's the second reward? The second reward, if you look at the scripture again, the second reward when we endure tempting and temptation is that you're going to receive the crown of life. Now, in the Greek, the words translated crown of life really mean you receive life itself. In other words, you're going to receive abundant life. You know, that's one of the ways that God blesses us uh, big time. He gives us not only eternal life when we trust in his son, Jesus, but he also gives us abundant life. And that's what you receive when you endure testing and temptation. You receive abundant life. So now, here's the question. 
how in the world do you overcome temptation? And what's the truth about temptation? What is the truth about it? How do you overcome it? That's the questions that I'm asking you, and I'm glad you asked because I've got answers directly from God's Word for you. So if you're ready for some Bible study, we're going to dive right in right now to find out the truth about temptation and how you can overcome it. Let's go over here. Here's the first one, and I hope you'll write this down on your notes. Number one, you got to face it, all right? So face it, you're going to be tempted. I don't know how much clearer I can get on that. You got to face the facts. You are going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. Every last one of us is going to be tempted. Uh, even sold out followers of Jesus, like you and me, we're going to be tempted in our lives. That's just what's going to happen. In fact, here's uh, what we find from Paul. He's talking to the church at Corinth. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Let's check it out together. It says, But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. I love that. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. And when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. All right. Take, keep the scripture on the screen because I want you to look at this. What does the last line say right there? Look at that. I underlined it for you. I want you to look clearly. What does the last line say? It says, when you are tempted. Now, it didn't say if you're going to be tempted. It said when you're going to be tempted. You got to face the facts, folks. It's going to happen to you. Temptation is inevitable. You know, have you ever met someone who, uh, maybe a, a pious individual who said to you, you know what, I, I don't remember the last time I was ever tempted. Might have been 36 years ago. Well, you know what that is, right? That's a crock of baloney. That's what it is. That's a crock of baloney. In fact, every one of us are tempted. You're tempted. I'm tempted. All God's children are tempted. That's just the way of it. You never get too old to be tempted. In fact, listen to this. The more spiritually mature you become, the more likely you will be tempted. Why? Because the, the more spiritually mature you come, the more closer to God you get, the more the devil wants to get at you because you become a threat to him. You become a threat to what Satan wants to do. Face the fact you're going to be tempted. All right, here's number two, the truth about temptation. You need to understand it. Temptation is not a sin. Now, that may shock you, but it's absolutely gospel truth. Temptation is not a sin, not a sin. It's, it's a sin to be tempted, but it's not a sin Excuse me, it's a, it's a sin to give in to temptation, but it's not a sin to be tempted. Check this out. This is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says this, Christ was tempted in every way we're tempted, but what? He did not sin. All right, so Christ was tempted in every way you and I are tempted, but what? He did not sin. 
Jesus never gave in to it. He was tempted, but he never gave in to it. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it is a sin to give in to temptation. You know, the, the more spiritually mature you are, the closer to the Lord you grow, you know, it's easy to think when you're tempted, how in the world could I have such a thought? Well, wait a minute. It, being tempted is not your fault. You know, the, the devil may have whispered that into your ear or put, implanted something in your mind. You know, temptation proves you're human. It doesn't prove you're evil. You know, giving in is the problem, not the fact that, you, that you're, you're tempted. You know, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's simply the sin to give in to it. And the more committed you are, now listen to this last thing, the more committed you are, the more likely you will be tempted. All right, that's number two. Let's go to number three. Here's the truth about temptation. You got to accept it. What do I mean? Take responsibility. Take responsibility for your actions, for giving in to temptation. Take responsibility for it. That's what I need you to know. Don't blame other people for the fact that you have given in to temptation. Don't blame other people for your problems. We love to blame other people. It's, it's one of the great American games, right? Where you blame somebody else for whatever it is that you're going through. You blame people, you blame God. But look what James said here in verse 13. He said, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Now, Let's read out loud this next piece. Ready? Nor does he tempt anyone. Do you hear that? Let's do it again. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Now let's read together. Nor does he tempt anyone. Hear me say it. God does not tempt you. We love to blame others. Will Rogers said that... Uh, you can summarize American history into two great movements. One, the passing of the buffalo. Number two, the passing of the buck. Yeah, we all like to blame people. You know, I don't know how in the world we parents could raise a generation of people who, who love to blame anybody and everybody for their unhappiness. How in the world did we parents raise a, a generation of people who blame everybody else for their unhappiness? You know, we blame society. We blame the government. We blame the environment. We blame our own DNA. We blame our parents. We'll blame our spouse. We blame the devil. We blame God. And there's a whole host of misguided Christians who say, well, it must be God, God's will because he's allowing it to happen. You know what that's called? Blaming God. Blaming God for your unhappiness. Blaming God for your problems. Look, don't make your bad choices and blame that on God. God does not tempt you. He didn't put it into your path. And he never contradicts his word. You know, God's not going to tell you to do something when the Bible clearly says something different. Take responsibility. Don't blame God. Don't blame other people. It's simply a sign of immaturity if you do. 
The fact of the matter is, you know, when I think about my own life, the fact of the matter is most of my problems are from my own doing. I'm responsible for uh, the, most of the problems that I have in my life, and I imagine you are too. We bring them on ourselves. And if we'll ever break those bad habits and get rid of them, you know, then we're going to find that God is faithful and just. And he'll take care of those things when we give it to him. So, here we go with number four now. This is number four. We got to, first of all, we got to take responsibility. The fourth thing is, here's the, here's the truth about temptation and how you can overcome it now. Prepare for it. Prepare for it. In other words, what? Be ready. Be ready. That's a big deal. When temptation comes, folks, you got to be ready for it. In fact, James said this in uh, verse 14 and uh, then in verse 16, he says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So don't be misled. Let's say that out loud. Don't be misled. One more time. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. So, do you see what I underlined right there? What did it say? It says, don't be misled. In other words, don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. We need to be ready and prepared for temptation. It's just what's going to happen. Here's the deal, folks. Temptation will never warn you in advance that it's coming. So how in the world do you get ready for it? You've got to understand how it operates. Check this out. It's 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says this. Paul is writing. He said, It's my duty to make sure that Satan does not win even a small victory over us, for we don't want to be naive and then fall prey to his schemes. Yeah, we don't want to be naive. We don't want to fall prey to his schemes. What do we got to do? Look right here again. We got to prepare for it. We know it's coming. We just simply have got to be ready. You know, in other words, you know what the Lord wants? He wants you to, to, to know how Satan operates. You know, and the good news is it's easy to figure out. He's been using the same old bag of tricks for thousands of years. Ever since Adam and Eve in the garden, he's been using the same old stuff ever since he slithered up to Adam and Eve. You know, temptation is a process. It's never a one-time act. And here are the four steps that the devil uses in order to tempt you. Here's step one. Here's how temptation works, folks. It starts with our own desires. All right? I need you to write that down because it starts with our own desires. In fact, we find in the book of James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, temptation comes from our own desires. I mean, how much clearer can God be than that? Temptation comes from our own desires. You know, the first step in temptation is desire. In other words, it's an inside job, folks, because it starts right there with you. You know, uh, but most desires, you just got to hear me say it, most desires are just fine. 
they're, they're okay. In fact, you can't live without desire. I mean, a desire to eat, a desire to drink, uh, a desire to sleep, a, de, de, a sexual desire, a desire for something else. We, these are all good things. They're not bad things, but here's the deal. Any, uh, any desire that gets out of control is where the devil comes in. That's what happens when, when these good desires that God has given us start to go haywire and we get them all out of control, then that's when temptation comes knocking at our doors. Because Satan loves to take our normal, our, our routine desires and then turn them into runaway desires. That's what he does. You know, you get consumed by it. You get obsessed by it. Whatever it is, is if whether it's work, whether it's food, whether it's having fun, whether it's sex, whether it's money, all those are legitimate desires, but the moment they start taking over your life, that's when you're being consumed by them. You know, it starts right there, right here. Look at that again. It starts with our own desires. Temptation starts on the inside, it's fulfilling a legitimate desire at the wrong time. Let's go to step number two. This is how Satan works, folks. It's how temptation gets you. Second step is then once the desires happen, then you begin to get deceived. Do you see that? You begin to get deceived. The second step is all about deception. Matter of fact, James chapter 1 verse 14 says this, each person is tempted by his own desire being, look at this, being lured and trapped by it. How about those words, right? Being lured and trapped by it. James uses a couple of terms that hunters and fishermen uh, will certainly understand right away. What are those words? Lured and trap. You know, lured is a fisherman's term, which simply being, means being lured by bait. You know the secret to great fishing, right? Secret to great fishing is getting some good bait. The right kind of bait at the right time to catch the right kind of fish. I mean, how many fish are you going to catch with a bare hook? Probably not too many. You've got to put bait on it and the right kind of bait for the right kind of fish. And that's exactly what Satan knows. He's a great fisherman. And who's he trying to hook? He's trying to hook you. That's what Satan does. He's trying, he's putting his hook in the water and he's hoping that you're gonna start nibbling. And the moment you start nibbling, you know, you don't recognize at the time that there's a hook in it. But the more you start nibbling, Eventually, you're going to get hooked, and then he's going to reel you in. What kind of what kind of bait does the what kind of bait does Satan use on you? What kind of bait does the devil use on you? You know, he knows your hot button. He knows he knows exactly what's going to get you. He knows your weakness. He knows you inside out. He knows what's going to turn you on, and he knows exactly what you're going to fall for. You know, he hides that hook in the bait. And that bait is whatever your weakness is. And as I said just a moment ago, the moment you start nibbling is the time you're going to get hooked. Temptation 
just like bait in the water, always looks better than it really is. It starts where? With the desire. Then we find ourselves that we are deceived. And then the moment we bite that hook, we give in. You're trapped and you give in. I mean, there's only so much fight left in a fish after it's bit the bait. Now, there may be some fight going on, but eventually you're going to get that fish in the boat because the fish is going to get too tired to fight. And that's exactly what's going to happen to you. That's what happens to you and it's what happens to me. James 1.15, look what it says right here. It says, your desire grows inside you until it results in sin. Look at it again. Your desire, what is it going to do? It's going to grow inside you until it results in sin. What does that mean? Your, your, your desire is going to grow and you're going to be deceived. And then what happens? You're going to give in because it, it's going to result in the sin. And the result in the sin is when you give in. Here, I've said this before. I, I, I said it just a few weeks ago, but I need to say it again. Temptation always starts up here. It starts in the mind. It starts in the mind. It starts in your imagination. It starts with your thoughts. And then it moves to action. That's the way it works. You know, James said uh, in, the, in his word there, he said, we need to be aware of the devil's schemes. Well, I'm telling you exactly how this stuff works. God has laid it out for us. He doesn't want us to be deceived. He doesn't want to get us to the place where we've bitten the hook and then just don't have enough fight in us to let it go. First, the devil gets your attention. Then if he can get your attention, he'll eventually get you to commit the action. You know, people say, you know, Pastor, they've said to me many, many times, you know, Pastor, what is the, what's the, What's the harm in a, or what's the danger in a harmless fantasy? Well, here's the problem. If it starts up here, and it's allowed to grow, it becomes like a weed that just takes over in your mind. And it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it multiplies, and it multiplies, and eventually, it's going to take you down. That's what happens. That's the problem with all of this stuff. You know, whatever it is that you flirt with, you're going to eventually fall for. You hear it? Whatever you, whatever you begin to flirt with, you're eventually going to fall for. You know, it's the whole idea behind television advertising, right? You know, they want, they put that hook out there, they drop that bait down, and they are hoping that you're going to buy in to whatever it is that they're selling. Desire leads to deception, and deception leads to giving in. And then we find we go on to the next one, and the final one-two punch of Satan for us to get us, and that is... It leads to death. It leads to death. That's what happens. Look at it again right here. What happens? Once you, once you give in from the desire, you know, all the way down to death, that's what happens when you give in. James 1.15 says this, 
then the sin grows bigger and bigger and finally ends in death. Again, I'm not sure we can get any clearer than that. This is what happens. God laid it right out for us exactly how temptation works, how the devil uh, schemed uh, to, uh, to get you to bite that hook. And this is the tragic consequence. Death is the tragic consequence of giving in. And you know, that's exactly what, the, what happens when you lose the battle, right? When you lose the battle, you're finally going to have devastating results. Let me ask this question, just to put it in perspective. When we talk about death, we're talking about spiritual death. So what is the opposite of death? It's living. It's living. And so, you know, what God wants you to do is live. He wants to offer you abundant life, but you, you can have life, but you can't have abundant life if you are wrapped up in some kind of sin that has got control of you. It's, it's spiritual separation from God. You know, James makes it very clear. You know what? You and I can choose any way we want to go in life. We can, we can go, we can run toward the abundant life or the crown of life that God offers, of, offers to us, or we can run toward spiritual separation, which eventually leads to death. I'm, I'm free to have my kicks, but you got to understand that you're not exempt from the kickbacks. This is the way that it all works. I'm free to choose, but I'm not free from the consequences. So, in order to overcome temptation, in order to break that bad habit, first, I've got to face the fact and know that I'm tempted. I've got to understand that being tempted is not a sin, but giving in is. I need to take responsibility and not blame God or anybody else for my unhappiness and my problems. And I need to prepare for it. I need to get ready. That's what we've just been talking about, getting ready for temptation. But now we move on to number five, and that is this. We've now got to, we've got to change it. What am I talking about? We've got to refocus our thoughts. I need to refocus my thoughts. We've got to change it. We've got to refocus the thought. When, when, when that temptation is coming your way, and you know, you can feel when it's coming. What do you got to do? You got to refocus. You got to do some change. You got to refocus your thoughts. You know, temptation begins, I said, with our inner thoughts. Then changing the way we think is the key to overcoming it. You know, uh, it's often called the principle of replacement. The principle of replacement. The key to temptation or overcoming temptation is not simply to fight it but to refocus your thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says this, Focus your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure, lovable, or admirable, or some other virtue, or something praiseworthy. That's what he says. Refocus your thoughts. Get your mind from where it was to something else. He's saying, look, Turn your attention elsewhere. Find something else to think about. Shift your thoughts. Refocus. 
you can focus on the goodness of God. Why? Because the more, the more that, uh, the more that you want to fight the feeling, the more it's going to grab you. Here, you got to hear me say it. You know, you don't bother fighting with the devil. He's got thousands of years of experience, and I can tell you what, he can fight better than you can. He can argue better than you can. He's got all the experience in the world. Our job is not to fight the devil. It's not to argue with him. What do we need to do? We need to refocus the thoughts. Sometimes, you know what you got to do? You got to walk away. You got to walk away. You change your thoughts. When temptation calls, walk away. You can hear the bell ringing, go in the other direction. You don't, let me put it this way. If you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees. All right? If you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees. How do you stay away from the bees? Right here. Look at it again. What do you got to do? Let's say it out loud. Refocus my thoughts. All right. Now we're on to number six, and the last thing I want to share with you today. You want to deal with temptation? You need to have some truth to know about how it works? Well, here it is, folks, right here. You got to renew it. What do I mean? You got to give it to God. You got to give it to God. I'm going to say it one more time. You got to give it to God. The single most important principle in breaking a bad habit and getting your life back under control is giving it to God. Give him your life and then give him your problem. Give him your life and then give him your problem. Give God your life and then give God your problem. That way he can start changing your character. You know, you don't have enough power in you you know, you, got, you don't have enough power in your willpower. You got to have some supernatural power here if you really want to change your life. If you want your life changed, you got to give it to God. Give your life to God so that you can give your problem to God. You know, you need his power in your life to be redirected with a Lord who loves you, who cares for you, who even sent his own son to die for you. You know, God doesn't want to leave you nibbling at uh, Satan's bait. He doesn't want to leave you with your life spiraling out of control. So I'm going to ask you this. You know, when you give it to God, what is your most vulnerable thing that you're dealing with right now? Where are you most vulnerable right this moment? What's your weak spot? You know what? God knows it. But I can tell you something else. The devil knows it too. And if you don't know it, you need to figure this thing out. you got to spend some time and say, you know, what is the bait that I'm nibbling at? What's, what's the bait that's getting my attention? What is it that's, that, that's causing me to lose focus? That's what you got to know. God knows what your weak spot is. The devil knows what your weak spot is. Do you know what it is? Is it food? Is it spending? Is it sex? Is it, uh, uh, is it drinking? Is it drugs? Is it, is it something else? Whatever it may be, you got to know what it is so that you know where you need to refocus. You got to give it to God, folks. Don't fail to do that. 
You know, the Lord is right here wherever wherever you are. God, I often say, you know, that God's only a prayer away from you. And all you need to do is start by, by making a commitment to him. And then make a commitment to give your struggle right now to the Lord. Figure it out. Admit it. Say to God, say something like, God, you know, you know the areas that I struggle with. You, you know, God, the places where I seem to fall, where I stumble. But the fact is, God, I want a clean slate and I need it now. I want a clean slate. I want to start over. I need to get free from the past. I've got to have forgiveness, God. I need to know that you've forgiven me. And I, And you know what? That forgiveness is available. And that forgiveness is available to you right now. The moment you say yes to Jesus. You know, here's God's promise to you. I want you to, I want you to hear me say this promise. God is faithful. It's right out of his word from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For when you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. What a great promise, huh? God's never going to allow you to have uh, more temptation than you're going to be able to walk away from. But you need his help to do it. You need his help to do it. You know, one of the most famous quotes from Martin Luther, he said this, we can't keep the birds from flying over us, but we can keep them from making a nest in our hair. Well, there you go. That's exactly what God's saying to you. You know what? You can't, you cannot, you cannot ever get so spiritually mature that you won't be tempted. Temptation is an inevitable part of life. Face the fact that's the way it is. But you don't have to nibble at Satan's bait. You don't have to be caught. You don't have to be trapped. But if you find that you are, give yourself to Christ. And allow him to set you free. Can we pray together? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come together in prayer acknowledging that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the great I am. And Heavenly Father, there are those uh, in the sound of my voice right now who are dealing with some pretty heavy stuff. They've been nibbling at the bait so long, they've just got fish hooks all over them. And so right now, God, they are trapped. They're tired of fighting. They're tired of this. They want to get out. And so I'm praying for them right now, Lord, to set them free and give them the courage to ask you, uh, saying, come on, God, set me free. I want to give my life to you. I, I am tired. I am sick and tired of being on Satan's hook. 
I am tired of him pulling that line against me all the time. And I continue to fall for the same old thing. So God, right now, I need my life under control. It's been spiraling out of control and I need it under control. I want the crown of life. I want abundant life and I need it now. So Lord Jesus, come and set me free. I offer you all that I am and all that I have. Help me. I need you, Lord. Help me with the strength, the supernatural power to say no to this temptation that is dragging me under and keeping me trapped. Thank you, Lord, for your promise to set me free and to give me, Lord, the supernatural power to walk away from temptation. Lord, I'm grateful. And so, Heavenly Father, right now, bless us as a church family and all that we do that we may be fully, completely yours. We love you. We praise you now. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.